everyone and welcome to the year was the podcast all about today that gives you just enough information to effectively be that guy at the party causing all your friends to question hey who invited you like seriously why are you here I'm your host, Michael Montalvo, and for the next few minutes, we will swim through the river of time to find out what makes it a truly unique. On this episode, we examine the events that occurred September 9th. One of my favorite jokes of all time is from SpongeBob SquarePants. The episode is in the first season, titled Squidward the Unfriendly Ghost, And in it, Squidward pretends to be dead after Spongebob and Patrick cause a wax sculpture of him to be damaged in order to get Spongebob and Patrick to do chores and be his slaves. One of the things Spongebob and Patrick are made to do is to carry Squidward in the yard to find a nice and sunny spot for him to relax and sunbathe. And here's where the joke happens. In an effort to find the perfect spot and really just to get revenge on Spongebob for annoying him, Squidward says that the spots he is taken to are too hot, too wet, and Toulouse-Lautrec. And that's the joke. It's said over a fishified version of some of Toulouse-Lautrec's artwork, but it is so simple and such a throwaway line that it became something that I feel is just so perfect. When I first saw it, though, I didn't get it. Honestly, it wasn't until a few years later that my knowledge of Toulouse-Lautrec even existed, and it came from the movie Moulin Rouge, where he, of course, taught us that the greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. Added to that, as we know, seasons may change from winter to spring, storm clouds may gather, and stars may collide, but throughout the 21 years of Spongebob, 21 years... But throughout the 21 years of Spongebob and the 19 years of Moulin Rouge, Toulouse-Lautrec is still someone I know very little about. So today, I thought I would fix that. Britannica was a huge help. Also, this guy was French, so I will of course butcher pronunciations. The first thing we need to know about Toulouse-Lautrec was that he was born Henri-Marie-Raymond de Toulouse-Lautrec-Monfort or simply Henri de Toulouse-Lautrec, or even easier for me, Toulouse-Lautrec, November 24th, 1864, in Albi, France. His parents were Adèle and Alphonse, and actually were first cousins. It's thought that they came from various instances of inbreeding themselves. You can actually trace his family history back to Charlemagne, and that may have been a reason for the inbreeding, I'm not really sure. Now, because of this inbreeding, Toulouse-Lautrec and his cousins suffered from some ailments, but we'll talk about that a bit later. In addition to his lineage, his family was wealthy and as aristocrats, if you've never heard that joke, I won't ruin it, but I do caution you about it. As aristocrats, they had a love of sports and art. There was a history of draftsmen in his family, and because of this, Toulouse-Lautrec took up sketching at an early age, some reports saying eight, while others tin. His interest in art, aside from it running in his family, may have been born from having been incapacitated as a teen due to broken thigh bones in 1878 and 1879. His legs stopped growing because of these injuries, and along with their painful treatments, 
would actually cause walking problems for him and contributed to his adult height of four and a half feet. While he had an interest in art, it wasn't until 1881 that he decided to become an artist. His first teacher would be René Pronsto, who was actually a friend of the family. After only a year, though, he would move on to Léon Bonnet by the end of 1882, but their relationship would not be as good as the one that he had with Pronsto. Bonnet disproved the slapdash approach of the Impressionists that Toulouse-Lautrec took, and called the artwork he produced atrocious. Following this, in 1883, Toulouse-Lautrec joined the studio of Fernand Corman and entered a more positive atmosphere. Corman, who was a bit of a celebrity at the time, had many guests in his studio, including Vincent van Gogh, or van Gogh, if you prefer, and Emile Bernard. In this setting, Toulouse-Lautrec flourished, having much more personal freedom to develop his own style and his own artworks. Corman even went as far as to select Toulouse-Lautrec to assist him in the illustrations for the definitive edition of the works of Victor Hugo, although none of his drawings made it in the final cut. What's interesting is that in either scenario of a restrictive or a supportive environment, one can begin to feel trapped or unchallenged, and in a letter to his uncle in 1883, he wrote, Corman's corrections are much kinder than Bonnet's were. He looks at everything you show him and encourages one steadily. It might surprise you, but I don't like that so much. You see, the lashings of my former master pepped me up, and I didn't spare myself. He just got bored with it all, because all he was made to do in the academic world of art was just to copy. Eventually, as many a delinquent or the unchallenged soul will do, he began to appear less and less in class before renting his own studio in Paris and began painting portraits of friends. Enter Montmartre. At this point in our story, it is the mid-1880s, and Toulouse-Lautrec has moved to Paris and begun to live the lifestyle he is so often associated with. Bohemian. He became something of a documentarian for the everyday life of Montmartre, and became a frequent visitor of the cafes, cabarets, and friend to entertainers and artists of the time and area. He became friends with singer Brouillon, who owned a cabaret and offered Toulouse-Lautrec a place to showcase his artwork. This boosted his visibility in the area, which resulted in him becoming a known figure and an in-demand artist, as he began to receive commissions for his work. Inspired by other artists such as Edgar Degas, Toulouse-Lautrec set out to capture the effects of movement in his work and achieved this by producing freely moving lines that do not strictly adhere to the rules of human anatomy. This can be seen in a great deal of his artwork, including the circus paintings, as well as the 30 posters he would create for the famed Moulin Rouge. His work began to appear in shows around the world, including the Exposition des Twenty in Brussels and the Salon des Independents in Paris. In all, he had many successful and happy years as an artist in Paris. Here's where things take a turn. Toulouse-Lautrec had an adult body on what were essentially dwarf legs, and he often wrote derogatory statements about himself as he disliked his own appearance. He also had an increasing number of ailments, including syphilis. 
He began drinking heavily, mostly absinthe, in the late 1890s, and by 1899 he had a mental collapse that may have been caused by the sudden departure of his mother, whom he was very close to, but interpreted her act of leaving Paris as one of betrayal. He was committed to a sanatorium, Nui Su Sin, where he was formally committed March 31, 1899, but chose to stay until mid-May. By spring 1900, he began drinking again, and then in what I'm sure you thought I would never get to. The year was 1901, and on this day, September 9th, Henri de Toulouse-Lautrec died at age 36 at the Chateau de Marleromé in Saint-André-de-Bois of complications from alcoholism and syphilis. Remember when I said we would talk about his ailments? Other than his drinking and the syphilis, it's thought that Toulouse-Lautrec also suffered from pycnodysostosis, which is a rare and inherited disorder. This disorder causes malformation of bones with brittle bones and abnormalities on parts of the body such as the face and hands, often being associated with it. Pycnodysostosis was named after Toulouse-Lautrec and can be treated, but is not something that can be cured. According to Healthline.com, Having Toulouse-Lautrec syndrome alone doesn't necessarily affect life expectancy. If you're otherwise healthy, you should be able to live a full life with some precautions and the ongoing involvement of a team of healthcare professionals. Because the condition is so rare, not a lot is really known about it. In fact, only around 200 cases have been documented. And to end this episode on something of a fun note, Toulouse-Lautrec collected recipes and a cookbook which collected them all was published posthumously. That's going to do it for us today. If you like this podcast and want to hear more, give us a rate and a review. That helps me out and helps do this in a direction that is hopefully good for all. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can find the audio version on your podcast app of choice. You can find me on social media and at YouTube at the Apple Cider Club. And as always, I want to thank the Tim Kreitz Band for our musical theme. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.